0: Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other travellers as masterpieces. I am joined as ever by the road rugged Roger.
1: Let's see who will win a prize for keeping their cool. <laughs>
0: Um, and today we are back in the misty plains of uh, the sandy plains of not texas in fact we very definitely don't visit texas <laughs> during this film but we're texas adjacent um as we visit ridley scott's 1991 thelma and louise mm. uh, spoilers it's a best del test passer if nothing else <laughs> <laughs> um and well here we are. I had not seen Thelma and Louise. It's, it's one no of those, I. Uh, well, it's one of those films I, I knew the ending mm. and I kind of knew, I felt like I knew it a bit like, uh, I, I guess my classic example of this would be The Wizard of Oz, which I only watched like two years ago, but I felt like I knew it well enough that I couldn't be bothered actually putting the time in to watch. And that was <laughs> very much the same as Thelma and Louise, which, um, very briefly follows to, um, where are they from originally? It's not Oklahoma. Arkansas, Arkansas thank you. Two Arkansas women as they... uh Well, I suppose they kind of cut a bloody swathe across several states, but they don't really mean to. Um,
1: um, I, I, as we said when we were looking at Do the Right Thing, the, nobody was planning for all this st- bad stuff to happen.
0: No. And it, it, I suppose it's closest in story to Badlands... Um, or Bonnie and Clyde. It is fugitives, um, cross-country, and the adventures they have along the way until they are, well, uh, caught up with by the... the, the uh, Well, by the hand of the law, by the long arm of the law. Well,
1: I, um, I think... Well, yeah, yeah, literally the long arm of the sniper rifles. Um, but <laughs> I, I think one of the reasons this really worked for me, a uh, slight, slight spoiler as oh, so to my conclusions here... Um, yes. Is that you can see it as that, or you can see it as they are making decisions in, heat, in the heat of the moment, and some of those are definitely wrong decisions. Yes, and then they they do a thing which is slightly wrong, and that then has consequences that make it into very wrong, and then and so on.
0: It has a, s- a snowball effect on them, but in a it's interesting. Thelma and Louise that the snowball effect is it has dramatic effects on the, the characters of our protagonists in a way that uh, it didn't quite so much. I suppose it does in Badlands and Bonnie and Clyde, but here it feels like a, a positive, it makes it a positive thing for the characters. Um, and, and, well, the elephant in the room, if it's not evident from the title, is it's it's because our characters are women. We have two female protagonists for the first time in the history of Ribbon of Memes, I think. <laughs> is that, am I right in saying that? Um, and yeah, and it, so. the... F- the film, sadly, still feels a little atypical, even now. Yeah. For that. Um, I mean, it is so atypical that they kind of, the film has to flagpole it at the outset that our, you know, the name of the film is Thelma and Louise. There's no mistaking who it's about. And the very fact that that's two female names is sadly enough, unusual enough to make it an interesting title. Yeah, they didn't um, call
1: it Detective Hal.
0: No, no, it's very well. um, uh, So, we are returning to Ridley Scott, who we last visited with um, Alien. He's done a few things in between, including Blade Runner.
1: yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, yes, Blade Runner, huge success, of course, and Mm -hmm. in many respects a very good film, which, as I think we've mentioned before, lots of people have said lots of things about so we thought we wouldn't add to that verbiage. Um, Yes. After that, Legend, which was... Part of that mid 80s fantasy series, and it was, yeah, it's okay, I guess. Uh, yeah. Someone to watch over me, uh, gritty oh cop goodness. thing. Yes. And Black Rain, gritty cop thing, brackets oh, Japan. Michael
0: Douglas, yeah, that's,
1: um, well, and it's not. All of those had non-awful. their moment, but it is not, you know, if I'd hired the guy who made Alien and Blade Runner, it is not what I would expect to have come out of it.
0: Well, if you'd hired would you have expected Thelma and Louise to come out of the guy who made Alien and Blade Runner?
1: It's at least closer. <laughs> I um, suppose to yeah. me
0: that the revelation with Ridley Scott, I mean, we'll talk about the actors later, but the revelation with Ridley Scott is this is very character-driven and it's really focused on the characters, um, to its to its strength. I mean, I'm not in any way to it, but in a way that, you know, Blade Runner is very... Uh, And again, I don't necessarily mean it as a bad thing, but it's really style over substance. And Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of substance there, but there's a hell of a lot more style. Um, And Alien is is similar, whereas here there is style. I mean, Ridley Scott knows how to make things look pretty. uh, Places look pretty. People look pretty. He's You know, he's, he's a very visual director. But it's much more about this small clique of characters, more so even than Alien, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the influence of the director. I think I think we shouldn't forget the scriptwriter as well. Oh, absolutely. Kelly um, yeah. Kuri. It was her first script, but she yeah she'd been doing other things in Hollywood for a while. Yes. Um. And yeah, this is uh, apparently originally um, it, it, the thing got sold to Scott's production company, and he was originally like thinking, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I will get one of these people who occasionally work for me to direct it. And, oh, he and didn't then... think
0: he was worthy of direction himself.
1: Or, well, I mean, we don't know
0: that. There, there are no, multiple reasons he might have felt that way. Uh,
1: but, but in the end, he got persuaded into doing it himself.
0: Well, it's interesting, because, in, you know, he was our rather kind of major female protagonist has been Ripley thus mm. far, uh, also directed by Ridley Scott. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't entirely belittle his but I absolutely agree um uh, that our writer um has has the lion's share of this and, and probably had a very hard time i have not had the time to run the background checks on this but i normally <laughs> would but she probably had a very hard time selling um yeah selling this film is that fair to say
1: i i think so uh, it, it's tricky at this point to find out the details but the, the other thing is casting i mean casting is one of those things un- unless something has been made with it uh, written with a particular actor in mind. There's that, usually a lot of discussion about who might play the part. Uh, it, it was one of those that took a while to get going. Um, some of the other pairings were Holly Hunter and Frances McDormand.
0: Okay, yeah. Meryl Streep. Well, I can and see Goldie it working Horn, with it. Meryl Streep and who?
1: Goldie Horn.
0: Oh, okay. That would have been a different film. May have worked.
1: And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster, who. Uh, it was was busy in in a little thing called the Silence of the Lambs, which will. Um,
0: they they're all fine actors, and interestingly, I can see it working with all of them. But I am, of course, very glad that it settled on um, uh, the two that we got: Susan Sarandon and, and Gina Davis. I mean, hmm. they are already. I mean, Gina Davis is the younger of the two, at th- mid thirties, I think she is. Um uh, Already by that stage she is of an age where roles are drying up for her yeah. in, in Hollywood which is uh, tragic so to get these the, these um, these two great actors in these really cool roles I mean uh, they make the film I mean I, perhaps yes. I'm being a bit unfair to say it would have worked with any of the other they would have been very different films I just think they're all all the people you mentioned are fine actors um, but I'm very glad we settled on Susan Strand and Gina Davis because they're amazing in this. Mm. I, I mean the spoilers as well I think this is a fantastic film I'm really glad I watched it because um, I thought oh these tropes will all be very old to me now we've we moved on It's 20. sadly enough it felt it felt like quite a modern film and it felt like even yeah. today it would be unusual and, and I don't
1: it's very easy to fall into the pattern of the police are the good guys who are going to set things to rights Yes. I, I don't want to say that that is never the case, but it's, it's an easy pattern to fall into as an automatic thing, and the situation is always a bit more complicated than that. Well,
0: one of the cries that is sadly familiar to us in the 2020s against this film was that it was, all the men in it were awful bastards, which I, and I've thought that before I came into this film, I'd heard that it's like a kind of androgenistic, um, uh, is that the right term for the opposite of misogyny um,
1: misandrist. Uh, but
0: misandrist thank you um, I, I heard that it was um, a misandrist film and that all the men were awful that's not the case in this film at all there are some awful men in it um, but there are some you know um, we have um uh well we have uh Harvey Keitel's sort of noble cop who is trying to do the best he can he is the main good guy in this to be fair. He far. is the main good but even uh Michael Madsen's yeah deeply flawed um and um violent uh boyfriend, he he is actually he's got a heart of gold. He genuinely loves um Delma and I I think he's an interesting character I mean there are some awful characters Brad Pitt Uh, well this is uh, Brad Pitt's is it his film debut? Uh,
1: don't think so but
0: he's he's very he looks very young (laughs) Um, he's an awful character but he's uh, he's he's well Well, if
1: if Heather's taught us anything it's that you should never trust a handsome guy called J.D. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there we go and if only if only they'd listen um but, yeah, it, but I, this, I,
1: this wasn't his very first um but it it was uh, after this he was he was being regarded as a sex symbol but not yes. particularly leading man material
0: my god uh, which may not be true is that his real breakout role was seven as i recall which showed that he had more of a range than um i mean well that, yeah, that just, but also
1: a river runs through it which is the year after this. Oh yeah. So he, yeah. He, he, that that shows he he could be more than a pretty boy but maybe maybe not much more. Uh California <laughs> we, we've talked about before. Oh yeah, we have referenced it, yeah. Uh, true um, Romance uh, interview with the Vampire was probably could certainly be regarded as a breakout role, though many people didn't like him in it. Was oh, I think film, he you? didn't like him in it, as far
0: as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> he hated it, um, but uh, it was it was an all right film. But it feels um, it feels a bit disingenuous to focus on the male cast because they are they are all. Um, uh, secondary characters here, our main well, but, characters. The,
1: the way I see it, I mean, a, a lot of uh, contemporary critics described it as an anti-man film. I, yeah. don't, I don't see that at all, but I would say it is a pro-woman film, and if you're thinking in terms of relative yes.
0: positions, then if that feels think like If you think that's a thing. zero-sum game, then I suppose you could... I d- sadly, I mean, the opening, well, not the opening, but the the, the scene that triggers it all off, the, you know, the rape scene, um, ugh, it, it, it feels that doesn't feel anti-man to me, that just feels like that's the sort of thing that happens, because we know how men work um, mm-hmm. uh, it was, I, I mean I think that was really well played by both the leads as well, you know, you can you can tell there's something in the history that the, that's the thing I liked about the murder, you know, that triggers it all off is that um, it, it wasn't quite a hot-blooded murder it wasn't quite a cold-blooded murder um, you know, she doesn't she doesn't kill him in the act. She doesn't kill him when, you know, at the, at the height of the emotion. What she hates about it is that he has no remorse and mm-hmm. he doesn't care. And that, that is such a good way of referencing something that's happened in her past, which is reference never quite fully explained, but you don't need it fully explained to understand why that is enough for Susan Sarandon to to blow him away.
1: Yeah, Um, I I did take a look at the uh, relevant Arkansas law, because each US state has different definitions of murder and many of them have different grades of murder and manslaughter and self-defence and so on, yeah yeah. Um, and so, uh, as far as I can see, bearing in mind I'm not a lawyer and I'm certainly not an Arkansas lawyer yes, um, it wouldn't be automatically manslaughter, it could potentially be charged as second degree murder, right, um however, um, under the influence of an extreme and emotional disturbance, is one of the things that explicitly downgrades that to manslaughter. Oh, really? So you couldn't, you couldn't claim self-defence because, as they point out, he was backing off, he wasn't still coming at them. Yes, yeah. But I think a, a half-competent lawyer ought to be able to manage that. On the other hand... That all assumes a working justice system, which they have no reason to assume.
0: Which, yeah, that, I mean, which is why... It and Louise has reason place. not to assume. And it assumes they have, you know, more of a working knowledge of Arkansas <laughs> legal apparatus. I know, I know. They, they...
1: Were, they weren't planning to kill anybody when they got up that morning.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, which is why you should always plan what you're going to do if you kill someone. Mm-hmm. That, I don't think that's a take-home message from Thelma and Louise. Um <laughs> But then, uh, yeah, so it, it leads to this, um, well, it's not really a spree, is it? They're just trying to escape.
1: Well, um, f- from there, it's, okay, we can't, well, it's specifically for a start, um, that Louise is the one who realises, okay, I did it, and I yes. have less to lose in terms of um, a life to go back to. Yes. Um, I yeah. am going to run away, and it's up to you whether you want to come with me. Um but it is the obstacles that they meet on that run that cause all the rest of the problems. I mean if Yeah you could so, say obviously they
0: have made it to Mexico if they went through Texas,
1: do you think? Well it's it's not so much that as if they hadn't had the life savings stolen then they would have had enough money yeah. to get yeah. there by whatever route and therefore they wouldn't have had to that you you wouldn't have had the, the robbery. And yes. then, um, At that point, you you have the murder, and you have getting across state lines, which all makes it all more complicated. Um, but yeah, again, you know, if you if you had the right arresting officers, if you had the right justice system, and looked, looked vaguely sympathetic, you might you might get something of that. But in, in none of these cases are they just going to be told, "Oh, you poor thing, go home."
0: No, and they know that, and they know, I mean Louise in particular has, you get, you know, she has had the justice system stacked against her at least once in her life uh, mm-hmm. and understands how it works or how at least it has worked for her in the past or hasn't. Um, and she's not going to trust it again. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, Louise, I don't know that Louise undergoes a great deal of character development throughout the film. She feels pretty Ooh. relatively fully formed.
1: Well, um, th- this comes in, the, the thing that really struck me was that the different... Uh, I suppose one could say moral arcs of them. Yes, because Louise has clearly knocked about a bit. Yes, she, she is aware that good stuff uh, happens to bad. Been knocked about a bit. Yes, yes. Um, and yeah, she she knows the score. Uh, yeah, but then she has actually killed someone, and that throws her. Oh yeah, she's
0: definitely rats Absolutely, yes, uh,
1: yeah. And then she she falls apart a bit, and but she she basically in so far as she's able to. After that point, he's trying to say, okay, we 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 are going to be done for this bad thing, but yeah. uh, you know, it's not it's not a multi state hunt at this point. Yes. Let us try to leave you know, a low profile, not do too much of the other uh, too much bad stuff that will get police attention, etc. Well, yeah, so it's Louise
0: who comes up, you know, who puts herself back together quite quickly. She comes up with a plan. It's rational, it's logical, um, and, you know, it, it probably would have worked if she hadn't had the slightly rational fear of Texas. Um, but well, I, I quite don't see that even the, makes a huge
1: difference, to be honest.
0: Well, uh, no, no, fair enough. Um, uh, the thing I, is, it,
1: it's Thelma who's...
0: Thelma's the interesting character, well, they're both interesting characters, but Thelma changes more, I suppose, or has this well, blossoming. It, and it's, it's a
1: much quicker change, and the, the way I see yeah. it, I mean, I, I wrote down relatively early in the film, I bet she went straight from father to husband, and she's never had yeah. a chance to live you, on her own and think to herself. You discover quite later in the film that it was character. Even more so. Yeah, yes. Um, and she's not few... stupid, but she's ignorant because she has always been, there has always been a man who was head of the household.
0: It's more naive, isn't it? Yeah, but yes, exactly. And she's never... Even though she's smart enough to know that's not great, and she's smart enough to want for more, she's never kind of tried it before. Well, and yeah. uh, that little act of defiance where she doesn't even ask for permission just snowballs into this blossoming of her character. This, yeah, um, but
1: the other thing... Freedom. About- the, the way I, I see this, and this is, this may be because I've, I've done a certain amount of study of, uh, American evangelicals in particular. They trusted yes. it, they tried to take away my role-playing games. Um, <laughs> she has, up to this point, always been keeping her into the social bargain. You know, she, she has had the meal on the table, not complained about her yep. husband being out, all the rest of it. And the moment she has stepped outside that good person box it, it's like that um, Calvinist approach you sometimes see in Scotland where taking the first drink is the sin yes and now that you are a sinful person you might as well get good and properly drunk because it's a sin anyway
0: well that yeah I suppose uh, that's what so, I was slightly reaching for she, she she does that little act of defiance and by then yeah, she's almost she's almost so instantly and so massively punished for it that she just goes all in.
1: Yeah, it's, and w- yeah. once she has stepped across that line, she she knows she is a bad person, and therefore yeah. she doesn't have any of the same restrictions that Louise is still trying to apply to herself. So for Thelma, it is not a great stretch to rob the store because she's yeah. a bad person now.
0: She's already there now. If she's going to be a bad person, she's going to be a really good, bad person. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Which, yeah, she, and, and that's, the, and the film does a really good job of making that lovely to watch. Just, and you're really rooting for her. Uh, in a way that, I don't know, you're not necessarily rooting for Bonnie and Clyde in the same way. Mm. Um, you, the, the film really
1: gets you on their sides. Um, well, the, because, the, these are not random psychopathic murderers the way Bonnie and Clyde were, or the way are, or, our. Um, uh, uh, our pair in Badlands whatever. yeah uh, and yes all right we know perfectly well that if if they got arrested then the justice system would screw them over but the, the, it always holds out that hope that you know maybe they'll find a way out of it and yeah, I, I, we, we've talked about this before the whole tension thing I, I found this difficult to watch because I knew along with everybody how it was going to yeah. end
0: well, I think, and that's it seems to be holding
1: out the hope that you know, maybe it doesn't have to, but no, it's going to.
0: Well, for some reason that didn't. I I quite like films that sort of show you the ending first. I quite enjoy the journey <laughs> of how you get there, usually. But maybe because this wasn't the way Thelma and Louise was designed, you're not supposed to know the ending when you go into it. Yeah. this worked less well for me. Um, but i, I can 't really blame the film for me watching it thirty years after it would film, <laughs> um, but the, because of that, I found it a bit less gripping and a bit less tense, I think than I otherwise would have, and I did really want them to get away, but that was always tempered with sadness because I knew they didn 't mm. um, but that 's not i can 't really blame the film for that, but yeah but yeah, the, the tension there didn 't work for me in the way that it does for other films
1: well i I did feel that the the film. <sighs> I I don't have the right critical vocabulary for this. The film knows how it's going to end, is the way it feels to me, and there is all this building up towards... Yes. ...this could go really badly. Um, Which is, obviously, I assume, deliberate. Ricky Scott is a competent director.
0: Well, also, it's how you expect a film like this to end in some ways, because... Because it's this kind of genre, film, you know, both the other films that we've already touched mm-hmm. on end in that way. Uh, Bedlands, perhaps, the, it doesn't end with their death. But, but, it's but at the, the end spree's got to end, basically. Yes, exactly. You, you know it can't go on. And, you know, crucially, I think, in this kind of film, the protagonists know it can't go on. They know they're in this, and that's shot through in all of these three films that we've mm. touched on this time. But in Selma and Louise, um, in a way they 're more fatalistic in both Bonnie and Clyde and Badlands in Thelma and Louise there is this hope that the characters have that they 'll make it through um more probably in in Louise and Thelma i think um uh, but, hmm. it's, it, but it's but uh, it's it 's not to be um, uh, yeah i they're just they're just interesting characters what and they're interesting characters to spend time with much more so than some of the other films we've watched um they're they're human they're not they're not lionized as women um do you know what they're flawed they make bad decisions um but they are they're women and they're realistic women in an unrealistic situation i think i I feel that's how it, mm. how the film works for me that they are real people they they love you know they they feel lust they feel love they make mistakes because of that um they feel anger and jealousy they're just they're just human characters and that is for some reason hollywood finds it very hard to write women as human characters normally i don't know why well i I think
1: this becomes very obvious if you look at um team shows stories films whatever where Yeah, particularly in in the seventies and eighties, you you would have you know the guy who does this, the guy who does that, the woman, be, be, <laughs> yeah, because exactly. that is characterization in itself. And you know, what, what do you mean there are different sorts of women?
0: <laughs> exactly. When you're talking about one-dimensional, and your single dimension is this woman <laughs> is a female, uh, this person is a female, then yeah, I, I, that's I I suppose. I I, I am mean, uh, I I grew up more on some ways on the the Joss Whedon style of feminism, which is it's not, they're not human characters so much as the idea of e- equali- equalizing the playing field is to make them more kick ass than the man. But also and, broken. But also broken, yeah, because they're women, they have to be broken <laughs> in some way. Um, and that doesn't really work for me. Um, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, I love uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it, uh, that's unfair. Just does Joss Whedon does write much deeper characters than that, but they're not realistic. Um, and Thelma and Louise. They could almost be out of a, a Stephen King novel because that's how it feels to me. Stephen King always writes st- stories about these these real characters in these bonkers situations, and and that's how Thel- Thelma and Louise works for me. That they're just they're very real characters. They, I, and a film works for me when a character responds to a situation in a way that I feel at least I might, um, mm. and and I I feel repelled in a way when when that doesn't happen. And here. They both respond to the murder, you know, for a start, you know, the murder happens in a way that you feel, you know, at least you would understand how it happened and they respond to it in a realistic way. Um, you know, even the interaction with Brad Bitt's character feels realistic. You understand why it happens. You understand that she's feeling the joy and excitement of this new character. You understand what a bastard he is and and Mm -hmm. how he takes, but he probably doesn't feel like he's doing anything personal to them, even though ultimately, he kind of leads to both their deaths <laughs> um, mm-hmm. among other things but it, I, I think that and I was trying to touch on this earlier with Ridley Scott uh, um, these are very human characters and I, I think that's why the film works for me where a lot of films don't they're just, they're just characters that behave in a way that humans that I understand and know and like and respect also behave Yeah, and that's how it works
1: and it is difficult um, I, I am I think I've probably said before, I'm generally in favour of competent characters being competent. It's a thing I like to see in film, in books and so on. And these are not, but they remain sympathetic to me and that that is hard to do and it's done well. Um,
0: Certainly of the the trilogy of road movies we've we've (laughs) talked about, um, it's my favourite. Well, yeah. Hands down, it's the one I would watch again without question, I think. Yeah. I, I would certainly enjoy it um, watching. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd want to see more of knowing how the film progresses. I'd want to watch the beginning again. So, yeah, I, I would definitely mm. want to watch it again.
1: Um, f- moving into the more, more filmic territory for a yes. moment, um, I thought there was one perfect sound cue uh, the I don't want to play house.
0: Does that suggest you feel there were a lot of not perfects? <laughs> yes, um,
1: <Yeah. laughs> I mean mu- much of the rest of the well, particularly the bo- the country music on the soundtrack um, is not outside the realm of stuff I might well listen to. Uh, yeah. The synthesizer stuff a bit less so, but uh, both of them to me felt quite intrusive. I uh, if, yeah, if, if I'm noticing, oh right, they're doing that song, but it's distracting me from what I want to be paying attention to.
0: Some of it felt a bit, uh, music video e shall mm. we say. Which, I, is that really Scott's, um, is that, that might even be his, his? He was an advert guy, wasn't he? And it feels like it shows a little well, bit of. he, he did make the,
1: um, Apple 1984 advert. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, well, it was visually interesting. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Apple on a recorded. <laughs> um, well, that's alright, they're listening anyway. Well that's true Whatever I do I have got Alexa actually here actually, So I won't say anything about Google um, Yeah <laughs> I, I agree Some of it felt a bit Music video-y to me mm. uh,
1: Yeah here well, is
0: the music cue Now we're going to do a cool music thing
1: Yeah when it's looking at the landscapes though I mean obviously it's desert road movie country mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how accurate that is For that part of the US I've, I haven't been across most of that middle bit um, Well yeah,
0: I. We are nothing, Roger, if not familiar with um, beautifully shot uh, Texan adjacent (laughs) uh, landscape, though. How did you Um, feel this held up to the others?
1: It's lovely. The the thing I found really interesting, though, was the degree to which uh, the hardware is foregrounded until really relatively close to the end. I mean, the trucks, obviously, but, you know, trains, crop dusters, oil wells, all this stuff. Yeah. That you know that there is this gorgeous scenery out there because you see glimpses of it, but then a plane comes past or a train gets in the way. Or
0: I felt that and, the scenery until, was not front and centre particularly. Well, that's until the thing, and, until, really.
1: until the last few scenes, yeah, when they finally got away from all this other stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You can talk about symbolism all day, uh, <laughs> but um, that that certainly did seem to work for me.
0: Yeah, it's not about this huge open wilderness so much as like, you know, Paris, Texas was, uh, yeah, and that's the one that still visually comes back to me. That was so stunning, mm. but it wasn't stunning in a, yeah, look at this oil refinery kind of way. It was, it was look <laughs> at the beauty of this place. And yeah, I was a little surprised that, uh, that Thelma and Louise didn't dwell on that so much as the, the stuff that humans did. And I agree. I think that probably was. Delibre. but it worked for me because we've seen a lot of beautifully shot um uh reddy brown deserts in a with a blue sky and the
1: odd clouds. Um <laughs> Yeah, but also that's what they're trying to get away to.
0: Yes and, and it's
1: only really at the end that they manage it. And yeah.
0: Well, should we talk about... Do you want to talk about the ending now? Uh, the, the, mm. the the famous ending... Uh, well, the, and, and the,
1: the other two versions of the ending that, that I've heard about, at least, which...
0: Well, so, so the Roger Ebert review I read, which was actually... I gather there's a lot of other writers on RogerEbert.com now, given that Roger Ebert isn't doing a lot of writing at the minute. Um, but he really hated the ending. He hated... He felt that it ruined the whole film. Um... He felt it was too quick and freeze framey. Um, so you know, spoilers. They they go right on. Let's just go on and they drive into the Grand Canyon and so and and it freeze frames with them mid air um, with with Harvey Keitel's um, detective uh, Hal uh, screaming no or similar. Um, uh, it worked for me. I mean, like, to well, be honest, uh, I the, knew it was coming.
1: Yeah, the, the, there are, there are two other versions of that. The the original filmed version. Yes. um which which i believe is a dvd extra um follows the car all the way down and you know smash and then look back at detective Hal looking sad and then end the film there i really need
0: that to you the
1: studios uh, felt that was too dark and so it was recut to the version you have i mean that's obviously an easy thing to recut
0: uh yeah, well yeah, they just uh, yeah, well, they just paused it <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um Well the, the, we have a history th- of Ridley Scott having coming up with terrible endings Well, having <laughs> I mean, this
1: studio. Actually yes, because there there is one version um which didn't get filmed. Uh and as far as I, I can tell this was Scott's um choice rather than Curry's. Uh to have you know, they they start the run up to the edge and then Louise shoves Thelma out of the car. That is an awful ending. So, Lu- so Louise goes over, and Thelma survives.
0: I mean, so and apart after everything, else, everything That's the
1: past- wrong way around. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is Thelma who has gone all the way through to the far side. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, I. I yeah. Did, that's all. I mean, that would be ended with Thelma being mad as fucking hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, to me, you, she would be. Um, yeah, that's a terrible ending, uh, and that was Ridley Scott's favourite ending.
1: Um, well, it, it was what it was what he proposed at at one point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that that is a sort of a that feels a bit cinema paradiso almost. That it a, is a, a kind of a tone deaf ending to the whole rest of the the film, and to have mm. the director prefer. I, I absolutely agree. Thelma is the one. Who doesn't need saving anymore and doesn't really she's never, she explicitly says she's never going back to that life again and so there isn't that alternative. so to have her dumped out <laughs> of the end yeah, that would have been yeah, not good
1: Yeah, it, it, and that I mean, I, I feel reasonably confident in, in talking about the arcs that the two have Yeah. but if the director could feel that different about it ah. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Am I wrong? Is he wrong? I don't think I know know? more about making film than Redley Scott. But to be fair, the next thing he did after this was 1492 Conquest of Paradise. And, gotta say, after after this point, there's really nothing in in his filmography that I would consider amazing and wonderful.
0: Surely you like the new Alien films. Let's let's not go there. Um, uh, (laughs) I don't even know if you call them Alien films nowadays. Um, Yeah... It's interesting. Ridley Scott. Um, I, I suppose I have a thing where I say that you know, if a director does three good films, they're all right by me, and I will trust them even if they mm-hmm. do a misstep. Ridley Scott is almost an exception to that rule because he has done this. He's done Blade Runner. He's done Alien. He's done. Um,
1: well, Gladiator was not terrible. Uh, Black Down was not terrible.
0: But he's done a lot of <laughs> a lot of films that I did not enjoy one bit so it, yeah, it's, it's hard to know how to feel about Ridley Scott and, um, uh, other than he has, uh, he certainly brought pleasure into my life, um, but I, I wonder how much of this, as you've touched on, was the the writers what was the original Andy gass written then? Uh,
1: I, I, I haven't read the original script, but as I understand no. it it is basically more or less what got filmed
0: hmm so she at least understood the characters she'd written. Um, yeah. And, and she, well, she's gone on to have quite a, a good career as a as writer and producer, and rightly so, on the strength of this. Um, I, yeah, I mean, though, the, I
1: mean no, nothing to this level of fame, but this was pretty darn amazing. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really was. And I, as I say, it, already Gina Davis, and that's ridiculous. Gina Davis in this film is, is kind of too old for Hollywood. And that's bonkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is if if Hollywood feels that women of Gina Davis's age plus have nothing interesting to add to cinema or human experience, even after watching this film, or even after just knowing a woman, <laughs> um, then mm-hmm. I I don't I kind of despair. Is that? But then do Hollywood respond to the I don't want to get into the whole societal thing, but I suppose Hollywood respond to how audiences respond. Except that everyone loved this film. The Oscars, Oscars loved it It made a ton of money, didn't it? I think it was. Yeah,
1: that. well, there, w- there was one slight problem for Gina Davis, which was Rennie Harlan. To whom she was married. Yes. Uh, and he made Cutthroat Island under Long Kiss Goodnight to okay, try to turn yeah. her into an action star. And they, well, Long Kiss Goodnight's sort of okay-ish, but Cutthroat oh, Island. Cutthroat
0: Island. It's, not, it's not very good, so I'm afraid...
1: That's so, I mean, th- there's, there's, there's the age thing as well, I agree, and I, I rather suspect, uh, given what we know na- now know about the where the system works, as opposed to merely suspecting that, that some of it is once women get over about 30, then they might, they've you know, had a bit more life experience and they, and they know they can say no. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. oh goodness. But, so uh, yeah. That, that's but,
0: opened up a whole can of worms. I didn't want the the whole Renny
1: Holland thing really didn't help her, put it that way.
0: Yeah, I suppose he was trying to help her, but, uh,
1: but not. Yeah, they, they, they divorced after that.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. but, yeah, she, she's she been doing other stuff recently, but, uh, yeah.
0: Well, so, well, uh, and also a strong activist for, um, uh, uh women in, well, women, edu- women's education, I think, as well as anything else. Mm. Uh, so we have these two excellent leads. Um, Susan, I, Were they both established actors at this point? Gina Davis? uh, I think they were. Certainly Susan Sarandon was. Um, Was it Susan Sarandon and Rocky Horror Show? It was, wasn't it? Uh,
1: uh, Might have confession. Uh, I've only seen that once. Um, Um, uh, uh, Yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Atlantic City. um, I guess, relative. hmm, I mean, she. Sarandon started started making films in the, in uh, 1970, but um, yeah. most of the stuff she is best known for, I would say, is probably after this.
0: I think it kind oh, of you
1: know, the hunger. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't know if that was well. I mean, we know it because we're nerds, but like, I don't know if that was. <laughs> um... uh,
1: Witches of Eastwick.
0: That was after this, surely wasn't? No, it? No, that's 80,
1: that's 87. Oh, really? So, okay. yeah, I mean, she was she certainly a so name. So she, she was. She
0: was a sort of a bankable name. But she, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, probably... Gina
1: Davis uh, in, in Beetlejuice, of course. Um, oh. oh, it's a piece of... Beetlejuice. Um, probably this is... I mean, she 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 won Best Supporting Actri- Actress in The Accidental Tourist in in 88.
0: Oh, really? So, so she was already Oscar winner at this point? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're great. So I... I can't really say too much about them. Are they really sell the performances? You, they sell their friendship. They sell both of them. Sell their, you know, their moral uh, and and uh, character journey.
1: Well, just, um, just remembering what when we were talking about Goodfellas, that that scene with the um, uh, cop who's who's sorting out the deal so that they can turn state's evidence. Yes, and I, I commented that he looks like a normal person, whereas the other two look like actors.
0: Yes, yes, these
1: two managed to look like normal people, at least in the context of the film.
0: They do. They sell. I mean, yeah, they absolutely sell who they are. They sell. Which, and, you g- know.
1: given how unnatural the filming environment is, is very impressive.
0: And the things they do and go through, um, you know by the time they 're blowing up <laughs> oil tankers um oil trucks full of and uh, 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 filling the desert with fire you're totally on their side, and you believe them uh, that i don 't know maybe that trucker felt a bit on the nose, except that that 's what guys are like, and you totally believe that 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 's what truckers would do, so maybe it didn't i don 't know he he felt there was a i i suppose if you have a target for um Oh, this is a man hating film. Maybe he was it, but even he felt like a character that I've seen or met before, guys like that who think it's okay to yeah. treat women like that. So
1: And and they go out of their way to leave him alive and in a position where he's gonna get rescued.
0: Well that's a you know, of all the you know, um, did, did so the state trooper. Yes, exactly, yeah, that was a nice uh, oh, that was a nice, one. I'd forgotten about that. how quickly you turned from this menacing character into this blubbing imbecile and I swear, again, it may be more uh, a more argument against uh, against men but yeah, we does have strong, interesting male characters too Um they're just not the protagonists, and uh, you <laughs> know, we're very familiar now with the um, not all men cry of, hang on why am I not the most important thing in the room anymore? Um, it just feels like the complaints against Thelma and Louise are, are so familiar to us now that it's so easy to, to dismiss them the, for the what they The thing for me is, you know, there are
1: an awful lot of good films about people who look like me.
0: Ex- yes. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I'm not threatened by the presence of some others.
0: And, frankly, Thelma and Louise did not stop a whole lot more. You know, uh, films about this. So, it's not like there isn't room for everyone though you wouldn't know it by this juncture. Um, so I, it was certainly um, well, it, we, we've we waxed lyrical about it, uh, aside from the soundtrack. Do you have any flaws or problems with Thelma and Louise?
1: No, I really don't think so. Um, I, I would like to mention uh, the, the the famous kiss at the end um, in, in part because uh, Sir Andon said later that Not only was it improvised, but the only person she told she was going to do it was Davis. Uh, Right, yes. And to everybody else on set, it was a complete surprise.
0: Well, it certainly didn't... uh, You didn't feel like we were leering at it, or, you know, it, it... It felt natural for those characters. Yeah, I, I've
1: heard it described as queer baiting because, um, cert- certainly, I've, I've read a review in I can't remember the name of the thing. It was ba- basically an alternative uh, newspaper with, with a strong gay and lesbian focus. Yeah, uh, said you know, if only that red trip had lasted a few more days, you know, we could have had proper a, a proper. <laughs> Um,
0: uh, uh, yes, pro yeah, yeah, not yeah. just a kid. Uh, but
1: yeah. um, I, I, I don't think that was their plan. Um, it particularly did like since that to me. It felt it.
0: like friendship rather than uh, yeah sexual. Um, but uh, you know, I I'm certainly prepared to be wrong about that sort of but, thing. But, I, it, but
1: also, this is the person I trust at this point.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And um, I, what it felt is that what those characters would do at that moment. And that you know, in a way, whatever that means, almost doesn't matter. It felt true to their characters, um, mm. and that's that's the important thing. I I can't think of many flaws about this film. I I, I thought it was pretty yeah. good.
1: Um, probably one of my favourites. Um, I, I keep maybe of the ones I haven't seen before. I think it will may well be my favourite of of the ones we've watched for this.
0: Uh, yeah, d- definitely up there for me. Yes, it was a, it was a, an easy watch. Um, and certainly of our, you know, we have our on weeks where we watch more, I suppose, worthy films uh, and off weeks where we watch, um, uh, more genre or films we already knew we'd probably enjoy. This was, of our on weeks, I think it was probably the most, yeah, probably, certainly the one I like the most. Um, very good. It's very good. Um, was it a
1: masterpiece? I think so. Not, not as I mean, it, it's the same thing you get with every film that has women in significant roles. It doesn't get widely imitated. Yeah, but, that's
0: the thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, it, uh, that that closing
1: would, shot has been used as a punchline in all sorts of things, but that's not quite the same thing.
0: Well, that in a way that was the problem. It, was, it became a barrier to me watching it because I knew the ending so well, and so I suppose by that sense it was influential. It was influenced by a lot of other road films, but it it made it its own. And yeah, I agree. Sadly, aside from the ending, it hasn't been as influential as it should have been. Probably.
1: Probably not. I mean, um, it, <laughs> a, a, a uh, Rainer Lipsitz in 2011 called it the last great film about women. Because there just hasn't been anything like it since. But... <laughs>
0: Uh mm, I mean I, the, I I could ponder and think about it but the fact that nothing immediately springs to mind to counter that argument um is probably true. I mean it, is it a feminist film? I think it it probably is in well Well it
1: depends to, on what you mean by feminist but I Yes, exactly. Say so. Lots so, of... I mean, it, it, for a start it is foregrounding the female experience.
0: Yeah. Um and it portrays women as Human characters, uh, and, and to me, I, I, again, I am not in any way qualified, but to me, to portray character, female characters as human and interesting and worthy of your time and interest, that's, that's a feminist, to me, that's a feminist. Yeah. Shouldn't be, shouldn't have to be, that that is a <laughs> thing that, that isn't self evident, but it feels like it is.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, well I, people have uh, opinions about feminism um, yeah um, Rebecca West in 1913 uh, wrote I myself have never been able to find out what feminism is I only know that people call me a feminist whenever I express sentiments that differentiate me from a doormat or a prostitute
0: <laughs> well it's uh, it's the antithesis of the Madonna whore thing that we um, uh not that um, I don't want to reference *Raging Bull* again, but you know, <laughs> *Raging Bull* we saw through Jake LaMotta's eyes, and I know I, I certainly don't think Martin Scorsese sees women like that. But certainly, there is there does seem to be a significant proportion of men that see women like that, and this is mm-hmm. the very antithesis of that. They, they're humans, just like the other half of humanity. <laughs> um, yeah. That to me feels like a feminist victory or a feminist film. Uh, which is a shame because it, it it shouldn't be that way, but it is. But regardless of that, whether whether you know it's important that we have female role models, interesting female characters. It's a really good film anyway. Mm. It's, it's just an interesting film with with characters you want to know what happens to that. You, and and my standby, it's. Does it move me emotionally? Yes, it does. Even though I knew it was coming, the end moved me quite a lot, and it moved me a few times before that too. It's it's a very good film.
1: Yeah, and, and it holds together on its own terms. Um, yes. Mm. Yeah, I'm just thoroughly impressed, really. Yeah, thank you. The, the right. interesting thing to me is is that looked at from, from a very high-level perspective, um, it's as conservative as a mystery story. I mean... They go out, they cause trouble, they're punished for it. That that, that outer framework is is very much the conventional story. It it is how that framework is used that makes it more interesting.
0: Well, you know, that's often, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not really the ideas, it's it's the execution. And this is really well executed with the, what shouldn't be an interesting twist, but sadly is, that our protagonists are female. But Mm. above and beyond that, that is not. That's not the only trick this film has it it's it's full of warmth and compassion and humanity and um uh and violence <laughs> it's good um i like it uh there we yeah. are Thelma and louise we approve
1: not that they need us but yeah uh, uh, not,
0: uh, not that they do but we do anyway so
1: uh 1991 in context
0: Let's hear, I was a bit saddened by the 1990 uh, soft focus Athon. so let's, <laughs> let's see how we've got well, on Well, this did
1: win an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Okay. Uh, One, the Silence of the two. Lambs got five. Uh, yeah, film director, I... actor, actress and adapted screenplay.
0: I'm not going to Silence of the Lambs, I have a lot of time for, it. it's a very good film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's sprung a lot of misery on his sense, you could argue <laughs> um, but it's it's a good film in itself
1: so uh, in terms of the box office uh, this does not appear there
0: really I thought the release did very well I suppose it did for its budget but
1: um... yeah I, I think it was was not a hugely expensive film so um, let's see uh, yeah it, it, it made 45 million um Whereas num- the number ten film made one hundred and eighty one million, uh, uh, that, that is US versus worldwide, so it, it's it's all a bit we tricky. We always don't do, don't is, yeah, yeah, directly comparable numbers. Uh, so uh, number ten, Hot Shots, which yeah, I mean it, it's the Top Gun parody that should have happened um, several years earlier.
0: It's just uh, to me, it's just not as funny as Airplane. So I, it's, it's
1: yeah, it's, it, it, always, it has some moments, but yeah,
0: yeah, a little strained uh to me. I like I like
1: it well right. enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh so number nine, uh, Cape Fear, uh the Scorsese remake of the nineteen sixty two film. It's not uh, as good as the nineteen sixty two film Yeah. De Niro Nick Nolte uh, Yeah,
0: it's right it's very yeah, these are already quite different films to the nineties. Uh, the 1990,
1: I feel. Mm. Uh, number eight, uh, probably my one of my favourites out of this lot, The Adams Family.
0: Oh, wow, we're really starting to feel, oh my God, that makes me feel old because now I'm thinking, oh, that was a modern film. <laughs> that's very <laughs> recent. Okay, yeah, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not generally a big fan of adaptations and conversions into new formats and so on, um, but I think that that was one that worked really well uh, in, yes. in large part because of the stars.
0: Yes. Uh, I completely agree. Yes. Uh,
1: at number seven, uh, The Naked Gun, two and a half, The Smell of Fear. The
0: Smell of Fear. Ah, oh, well, I've got a lot of time for The Naked Gun, which I do feel are as funny as Airplane, uh, except maybe 33 and a third, which is just slightly less funny, but mm. this is very good. I
1: do, the, not not the a visual, huge fan, but yeah.
0: Ah, oh, the visual gag of... Uh, the. the, the, the The final diffusion of the nuclear bomb I am tripping over the (laughs) tripping over the cable and unplugging it. (laughs) Oh dear, sorry, you've got me laughing. Um there we go. Uh
1: so number six, uh, JFK.
0: Ooh, Oliver Stone again with a uh I don't know, not not necessarily historically accurate (laughs) conspiracy a thon. (laughs) But uh, I loved it at the time, it's only after looking into it since that I've realized how much was perhaps committed to celluloid with a conviction that it was ill-deserved given the <laughs> given the shakiness of the ground it stood on. Yeah. But very uh, good to watch.
1: Number five, The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> I think it has problems. I think it does yeah. all right, even so.
0: I like it, oh, but it's got Jodie Foster in, so...
1: Yeah. Uh, at number four, Hook.
0: Uh, Ooh, I've never actually seen Hook, uh, largely because I've been told probably my life would be better if I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, in my head, I thought that was a Spielberg flop. Maybe by Spielberg standards, that is
1: a flop. I think it got widely panned. I mean, we we've talked about Spielberg repeatedly because of the number of films that have been either looked at by us or a, adjacent to. And yeah. I think at this point, I, I certainly remember at the time people saying, "Ah, oh, here goes Spielberg doing the same Spielberg thing again."
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Where, where is, like, yeah. Where
1: is the inspiration?
0: Um, I mean, he's got Jurassic Park in his future. Don't worry, Stephen. You'll be all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. Maybe there was a bit of tiredness of there was something about it that didn't quite, yeah, match his magic or something. But sounds like he made a ton of money, so it was all right.
1: Yeah, uh, number three, the uh, Disney animated Beauty and the Beast, about which I have many, many rude things to say.
0: Well, it's hard for me to be objective about it because I have small children and, consequently, have watched it three hundred forty-eight thousand times. Yeah,
1: but I mean, you, you know the fairy story, right? Yes, yes. And the, the the entire point of the fairy story is handsome is as handsome does,
0: right? So you, you've And seen the, Disney the, Disney the beast films, behaves badly. I I'm not <laughs> I'm not here to defend a Disney film. <laughs> uh, I I agree, but if you've watched any Disney film based on fairy stories, you would then. I don't know, it'll make you sad. <laughs> uh,
1: number two, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
0: Oh, now I had one of my first ever dates to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in the cinema, but uh, foolishly, I enjoyed the film and watched it instead of doing anything else during the day. Consequently, it was my last date. <laughs>
1: yeah. The the one that um, isn't on this list, but, but I remember because at, at least in the UK it came out in the same year, was the other Robin Hood, the Patrick Bergen one.
0: The Patrick Bergen one, which was... Uh, which I enjoyed was, a lot
1: more
0: It was a lot better by many objective ways, But it was, I don't know It was less Hollywoody And consequently a slightly harder watch
1: Also it didn't it have Alan Rickman it. in it
0: And it didn't have Alan Rickman in it Which was the key to success
1: And at number one uh, We're taking in half a billion dollars and more uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day
0: Well, interesting you should say that because (laughs) we may well talk about that um, in another episode coming up. Um, Well, in that case, I will say nothing more about it now.
1: Yeah, let let, let us leave that till another occasion.
0: Yes. Well, there we are. Farewell then, 1991. And Roger, I I think we should just go right on. (laughs)